perpetually determined advocate. I am your perpetually determined advocate, Cassandra. This is a bi-weekly podcast dedicated to raising awareness and acceptance of PDA, or Pathological Demand Avoidance, which is a lesser-known part of the autism spectrum. My hope for this podcast is to provide a place of learning and growth, as well as a platform for PDAers, professionals, parents, family members, and other people with neurodivergence to speak out on this condition as well as others, and providing resources to those who want to learn more. I am still in search of PDAers, medical professionals, and parents of PDA children who want to come share their experience. So if you or someone you know would like to come on and use this platform to tell their story, please contact me at perpetuallydeterminedadvocate at gmail.com. Now, Let's launch into this episode's topic. I wanted to talk a bit more on the topic of parenting and PDA. I've mentioned it as it relates to other episodes, topics in the past, but I wanted to have a more in-depth discussion now. Before we get started, though, I have to give a big thank you to the people in my PDA group. I reached out to them with a question about things they would like me to talk about, and they gave me the most incredible responses. In fact, they have given me enough fuel for three additional episodes on other areas of PDA parenting life, and I am very grateful to them for that. For those people who may just be learning about PDA, have recently received a diagnosis for yourself, your child, or a loved one, Find yourself a group. That's probably the first bit of advice I can offer for this episode. Even though I've offered it before, I cannot stress enough how helpful it has been to have so many people who understand and relate to my experiences. It helps you to not feel quite so alone in all this, and the support is invaluable. To my group, I love you all. Keep being amazing. So. Part of being a parent to a PDA child is learning flexibility in many ways. One of those is in scheduling. You may plan to go somewhere, whether that's the store, a party, a family get-together, or vacation, but you have to operate with the understanding that your child's PDA may derail that. Even if they have been looking forward to whatever it is that you're supposed to do, It can process as a demand, even an internal one, and try to remember that they're not resisting just to be difficult or because it's amusing, right? Even things that they want to do, even internal demands can trigger that anxiety. Additionally, resistance may not happen when it's time to leave, but it could begin to uh, manifest itself. Your child could begin to experience escalated anxiety or resistance once you've arrived at your destination or activity. At that point, you have to be willing to remove them from the location or the situation or whatever it is that is triggering and escalating their anxiety. This can sometimes be difficult for others to understand. And judgment is a near constant companion to the parent of a pda Others will make comments about how your child complies with them or under certain circumstances, and you should remind them that, one, PDA is not a cookie-cutter condition. Some days are better or worse than others. Sometimes things just won't go to plan, 
and others, there may be little to no resistance. You never know, right? And two, masking is a real thing. And that could be the reason for their perceived compliance with this other person. This is a common occurrence with school for some PDAers. They will mask all day at school. And once they get home to a place where they feel and know that they're safe, they're exhausted and they're incapable of fighting the anxiety any longer. And they know they're in a place where they can be themselves. And this can create a more difficult situation at home. And it leads to another topic that a fellow parent brought up. There will be times when PDA manifests itself in a more passive way with shutdown, right? This can be the result of masking all day, or it can be simply that the PDAer has hit a wall after a longer buildup. Sometimes they just need time to recharge and recover from a hard day or hard week. Um, it's important to give them space to do so, but it's always important to keep an eye out. Depression is a common companion of PDA. I've mentioned before how when my son was diagnosed, we were told that we needed to be aware that self-hate, self-harm, and suicide attempts were common with PDA. The idea that these kids are just these defiant, self-indulgent people who care about no one else and only want to do what they want to do by others, right? That is so harmful, and it can make these kids think poorly of themselves, and it's so incredibly false. These are children with no ability to stop their meltdowns and later can spiral inward on themselves for the hurt or harm they caused or even harm they think they caused. My son has turned to self-harm at times because he thought no one loved him anymore due to his actions. It takes reassurance and a lot of love and another topic, which is forgiveness. I don't mean, you know, forgive and forget just, you know, when a child has a meltdown or avoids demands, though that's an obvious part of it, right? Learning the ability to not get irritated with a child who resists many simple requests takes some effort. No one does it effortlessly. Still, we must learn to do it. And so you also have to learn to forgive yourself when you slip up, right? I'm not saying make excuses when you refuse to parent your child's needs. That I could never condone. But we all have moments where we also get overwhelmed and maybe snap. We're not perfect. And parenting a child with PDA is a learning process. Forgive yourself. And also remember to apologize. Show your child that you make mistakes too, and you have moments where your emotions get the better of you too. This can help them learn to forgive themselves for the unpredictable and frankly uncontrollable reactions to things that they have. When they see that you slip up, but they know they still love you, it can help reinforce that when they break down, you will still love them. And that can help them learn to not be so hard on themselves. Forgiveness goes a long way in parenting PDA. One other note, and this one can be a little bit harder, honestly, is that forgive your friends and family members who always have that suggestion or idea that could solve all your parenting issues. Most of them mean well. The ones who don't, 
who only see the manifestation of behaviors and not the child behind it, they're another story. I can't help you there. One suggestion I would offer here is Plan B Parenting and the model presented by Dr. Ross Green in his books and on his website, Lives in the Balance. Um, I'll link the website in the description of the episode. He calls his model the CPS, or Collaborative and Proactive Solutions Model. His motto is, kids do well if they can. His book changed my whole outlook on parenting my son, and it's very true. When my son can respond to demands, when he can cooperate, when he isn't weighed down by panic and anxiety, he does well when he can. The idea behind this is to identify the places where your child may have lagging skills, right? Find the places where they struggle and then include them in the pursuit of finding a way to manage those issues. That's the collaborative bit. Collaborative problem solving is extremely useful with PDA kids because they feel like they're part of the process and it helps them to feel like they have some control and they're less likely to feel uncertain and unsafe if they are part of that process. They know where this is heading. They know what's going on. You're giving them that level of security and helping to, you know, prevent that anxiety. For anyone who hasn't read Dr. Green's books or visited his website, I definitely recommend it. Uh, The Explosive Child is my favorite of the books. It's phenomenal. And it really gets into the whole idea of, of collaborative and proactive solutions. Speaking of explosive children... That brings me to the next topic suggested, which is the fact that PDA kids do not look different from other children. They don't walk differently, talk differently. They don't have any outward indicators of their neurodivergence until they go into a meltdown. Because of this, people often see them as a spoiled child or they see the parents as weak, or the kind of people who allow their children to do anything that they want. It is a common, problematic, and very frustrating judgment. However, getting people to understand that you are not catering to or spoiling a child is not always the easiest task. And that can play into sibling dynamics as well. My youngest is my panda to use the PDA Society's mascot there for a second. I have two older children. One is 19 and the other is 15. They had very plan A parenting upbringing in that we had rules and expectations and when those were not met, they would have some sort of consequence. Both of my older children are neurotypical, so that approach worked well enough. This new style of collaborative parenting that I use with the youngest is often misunderstood by them, more so at the beginning. Now, the 19-year-old has come around to it a little bit more, mainly because he's older. Um, The 15-year-old still kind of has some issues with it. I've had to repeatedly explain that I do not favor the youngest but I just have to apply a different style of parenting with him than I did with the other two. 
previously, right? Yes, you would have gotten in trouble for doing something like that, but he can't control his actions when he's in a meltdown. The easiest way to solve this is to apply Plan B parenting to all children in the house going forward. But that still doesn't stop the memories of their past consequences. It doesn't ease the resentful feelings that can occur from that. The idea that somehow this child is getting more attention or they are getting, you know, more leniency. These types of things can cause that lingering resentment to occur. And sometimes explaining things helps. Sometimes books can help. Uh, I covered a few of those in a previous episode. Uh, Episode 5 dealt with a a bunch of different books that are out there. By no means all of them. Uh, There are loads more. But it did kind of delve into a variety of of topics and and books that deal with PDA on those various topics. Um, But sometimes you need some family therapy to help the neurotypical children to be more understanding of the neurodivergent sibling. The main thing they need to understand, and it's another good topic, is that you cannot force a PDAer to meet a demand. I'm going to quote what was said to me because I think it was perfectly expressed. Trying to force or beat anything into them will never work and will result in trauma and further distrust which will escalate everything all the time. Having their trust, being a safe place for them, if you can, may be the only way to help them. And this is so true. A PDA kid will latch on to people who take the time to work with them and to understand them. They will trust those people, and those who don't will become the enemy. And the child will immediately fight or push against that person. Escalation with those they do not trust will be almost immediate and it will be far more intense. It can also lead to more impulsive, dangerous behaviors. When PDAers are in high anxiety situations and they go into a panic attack, which is what a meltdown is, it is a panic attack. They can act impulsively and do dangerous things. This is the next thing I want to talk about. I've mentioned that my son is a self-harmer, but there are other ways that this impulsive behavior can manifest, and sometimes it comes out of nowhere without a large escalation. One parent shared a story with me about how she was walking with her children, one of which has PDA. So she had her younger child on her shoulders, so her hands were holding onto that child. One of the older two walking with her is the PDAer, and this child refused to stay alongside mom and darted towards the road where there were cars. One car screeched to a stop when they saw the child run towards the road, and it severely frightened both mom and child, obviously. But this is something that many PDA parents encounter, I've noticed. I've seen it mentioned a lot of times, and I myself have had a similar experience with my son. Um, He has tried to yank away from me in parking lots and run off. He's a runner when he escalates. Um, This has happened in different situations. Um, But one time this happened in a busy parking lot with lots of cars around. It is a terrifying experience. But the lack of impulse control makes this kind of thing a more common occurrence in neurodivergent kids. 
And this isn't just PDA, right? I mean, this is ADD, um, you know, which is fairly common in autistic children. Uh, I think the, the statistics are pretty high up there. I can't think of the exact number at the moment, um, but the percentage is, is pretty high um, in the number of autistic children, and of course PDA is a profile of autism, that also have ADD. You know, that um, acting on impulse without thought of the consequence is really problematic. And I mean, you know, this is, they act before they can get to the part of thinking of the, the consequence because of their impulse control issues. And believe me, as a parent, this has given me nightmares. My son has also tried to run out of the house whenever he's gotten upset. Um, he's tried to run out of school uh, whenever he's had a meltdown at school. And sometimes impulsive behavior can't be stopped or avoided, and it can lead to rather heartbreaking situations that require calling for medical help, calling 911. Um, then you have to explain what happened. You have to explain your child's diagnosis and how that applies. Um, and that can lead to a lot of other issues, and which is a whole other episode unto itself. And honestly, um, one that was also suggested whenever I approached my, uh, my PDA board. But I told you my PDA board folks rose to the challenge, right? As a result, I have decided to do a bit of research on some of the other topics that they suggested because I feel they're really just too involved to include here in, in this list. Um, there's some things that require, I think, a bit more um, expense, expansion, sorry about that, um, than I can give in the limited amount of time I have for each episode. So there will be uh, forthcoming episodes on the following topics. One of them, like I was just mentioning, is calling 911 in the case of an emergency and communicating what PDA is before the authorities show up. Uh, in the case of a dangerous situation, because you want to make sure before anyone shows up that they understand you have it. This is especially true as children get older, um, that you have a child that is acting um, on impulse. Uh, this is a child that is, you know, they have this, this is a neurodivergent condition, and this is something that authorities need to be aware of before they get there to avoid any really dangerous situations with um, excessive force, right? You don't want um, it being misunderstood that your child is trying to hurt someone um, and acting out of, you know, acting in a way that, that could be prevented, right? You don't want them thinking this child is acting on malice when in fact they're just acting on impulse. So that can sort of help them to understand how to approach this. But the other thing is, if your child, if you call 911 because your child has done something in the case of self-harm or has made a suicide attempt, you also have to um, communicate what's going on because this, especially with the case of a minor, you're going to have CPS is going to be involved. That's part of the, the process. They have to be alerted. So you then have to explain to CPS what's going on um, in the case that maybe you have a fight going on and someone else calls the police out to your house, if CPS gets involved, you have to be able to explain that. And that's why I think this needs to be a, a whole different episode unto itself. Another episode that we're going to have coming up will focus on school refusal and unschooling. Uh, these are two topics that 
really sort of go hand in hand and something that is, you know, very <laughs> difficult when it comes to having a PDA child, that school refusal because of the demands of school can be a, a serious issue. And unschooling is something that, you know, some parents end up turning to as an alternative to that to sort of help manage some of those triggers that can be involved in school. Um, so that's another large part of parenting a PDA child that I really couldn't fit in the time we have here. And the third one that I also want to look at is transitioning from childhood to adulthood with your PDA child as they become an adult, helping them to understand those changing expectations and those changing boundaries and how they won't really be entitled to the same, um, you know, sort of rights and privileges that they had received as a child, that now there's things they're going to have to um, handle themselves. And that can be slightly tricky when you're talking about someone who is demand avoidant, right? So stay tuned for these upcoming episodes. Another big thanks to all those who supplied me with such great ideas for this episode. You're all absolutely beautiful. Hello, and welcome to PDA, Neurodivergence, and the Perpetually Determined Advocate. I am your Perpetually Determined Advocate, Cassandra. This is a bi-weekly podcast dedicated to raising awareness and acceptance of PDA, or Pathological Demand Avoidance, which is a lesser-known part of the autism spectrum. My hope for this podcast is to provide a place of learning and growth, as well as a platform for PDAers, professionals, parents, family members, and other people with neurodivergence to speak out on this condition, as well as others, and providing resources to those who want to learn more. I am still in search of PDAers, medical professionals, and parents of PDA children who want to come share their experience. So if you or someone you know would like to come on and use this platform to tell their story, please contact me at perpetuallydeterminedadvocate at gmail.com. Now, let's launch into this episode's topic.